What is your dad's first name? Lee. <laughs> Kenneth. Lolly, what's my first name? <laughs> Brad. Bradley. Bradley. Becky, what's my first name? Chris. I remember your name. You can't remember my name? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> What's my first name, babe? Charles. <laughs> okay. Justin? Yeah. What is your dad's job? His job is to sing songs and play in front of a ton of people. Keep your mother And keep my happy. mother happy. <laughs> what is your dad's job? Singing. The singing. Is your dad a good singer? Yeah. Thank you. Is your dad a good singer? Yes. Yes. yes! I told him to say that. You like you like it when I sing? Yeah? I mean, he's pretty good, yeah. Who, who's better than him? I don't know. Boy, no you one. better be careful. I'm just kidding. <laughs> who's better? Uh, Jerry Neiman. <laughs> How old is Dad? Oh, goodness. Oh, golly. Oh. Uh, 30. 35. Sixty? <laughs> no, I'm not sixty. I'm thirty-six. <laughs> How tall is your dad? Six, six foot, six foot. Six three. That was close. Big. Big. Yeah. Chad, how tall am I? Six three. Yeah. How tall am I? You just said that. Elma says tall as you. Is your dad a good cook? Um, not better than my mom. But the grill's pretty good. Oh yeah, awesome. In some ways. <laughs> I'm not a kitchen guy, right? No, not really. French toast. But other than that, not really. Pancakes is horrible. What is something your dad says all the time? What do you love most about your dad? That he's a good dad. And he's going to get me a bone about a week. <laughs> Happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day. Love you, buddy. Love you. You gotta love country singers and their kids. And I love that YouTube. Happy Father's Day. You know, guys, we say the word dad. You just say the word dad, and all sorts of stuff gets stirred up for every one of us. There are memories, there are reflections, there are thoughts. Uh, sometimes those rear up and they're awesome, and you're celebratory, and uh, you may be sitting in church today uh, or watching this online and you're with your dad and you love your dad and your dad loves you and it's a safe place and it's a safe word. Uh, some are like me. Uh, my dad passed away. My dad's in heaven. And I would do anything to have one more Father's Day with my dad. I love my dad. And I'll talk about a deal with him here in a little bit. But you say the word dad and it stirs stuff. And uh, others of you, you're married to the man called dad and it's your husband. And you're either watching this or you're here in church today at Valley and you're really celebrating that. 
And then we have others, quite honestly, and in my years of counseling, we know that you say the word dad and it brings back hard memories. There's disconnects. Uh, there may have been loss. There may have been death. There may have been abandonment. And, and so you say dad and sometimes people sit back and go, you know what, you're, I, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, this is a hard day for me because I'm trying to juxtapose the experience that I had with uh, bringing respect and honor, but it's a hard place. And yet today, Father's Day 2022, we've got the opportunity to discern two dads in our lives, our earthly dad, and we'll talk about that, but also our heavenly father. Now our earthly dad, whatever impact he had, um, and especially if it was a hard relationship, what I tell people is you only have to go back into his rearview mirror maybe into the way he was raised up by his dad or his grandpa, and you can see why sometimes things are the way they are. Now, we're not bound to that, we know that, but sometimes that is an impact that can uh, really influence and uh, have an impact on us. But you know what, our earthly dads, every one of us, starting with Gary Rosberg, we are flawed. We don't have this thing buttoned down and we're trying to do the best we can, but we all come up short, and we're gonna talk a little bit about this. But the other dad is our Heavenly Father. And I'm going to use an acronym today, and it's SIB, S-I-B, not too fancy, but it's going to stand for STAY, it's going to stand for INITIATE, and it's going to stand for BLESS. So STAY, INITIATE, and BLESS. And here's what I know. Our earthly Father may have stayed and initiated and blessed, but I'm telling you something. Our Heavenly Father stays, He initiates, and He blesses. So when we look at a biblical foundation for Father's Day, we could have used a lot of dads. We could have used Adam. Uh, he was the first father. We could use Noah. He was a righteous father. We could use Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. We could have used Isaac, the son of Abraham, or Jacob, the father of 12 tribes. We could talk about David, who was a father and a man after God's own heart. Or we could talk about Joseph, who was Jesus's earthly dad. But we're not going to talk about any of them. We'll let Brandon quit and talk about those guys. Today I'm going to talk about the prodigal son's dad. And typically, when we look at Luke 15 and we unpack that portion of Scripture, that incredible parable, I'm going to read part of it to you here in a second. It'll be up on the screen as well. When we talk about the prodigal son, we usually talk about his hardness of heart or his brother who also had a hard heart and it was a different deal. He was disconnected. But I'm going to talk about the dad because the prodigal son's father stayed, he initiated, and he blessed. Now, let me open up Luke 15. I'm going to start in verse 11. And you know the parable. And Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided up his property between them. Verse 13, Not long after that, the younger son got together everything he had. He set off for a far and distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, verse 17, this parable begins to shift. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, I'm starving to death, I'm in a Go back to my father and I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he is found. And so they began to celebrate. Now, much of that text talks about the son. But I want to talk about what the dad did because there are some takeaways that I think will speak into our hearts, whether we're a father, whether we're a grandfather, whether we're a single guy, whether we're a son, a daughter, a mom, a grandma. And it talks in this scripture, in verse 20, about while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And I want to submit to you that the first takeaway for this is the prodigal's father stayed. Now, there's something about that that speaks to me as a dad. Uh, I'm a dad, I got two daughters, I got 12 grandkids, it's awesome. And I also coach men, and I love to help men. And I love to remind guys that we need to stay, especially when it's hard, especially when that kid is hard-hearted, especially when there's some kind of a disconnect. And what I have found over the years is there's a lot of reasons that people are a long way off, like this prodigal son. And I just want to talk about him for a, a moment because some of you may have a prodigal in your family. It's a son or a daughter that grew up in a Christian home and you loved them and they, they served Christ and they pursued connection uh, with the Lord, but something has hardened in their heart. They've been lured into something outside of a walk with Christ. Their hearts become hard, they become distracted. Uh, some of your kids are really hurting and because of that, mom and dad, you're hurting. And on Father's Day, a lot of dads are hurting. Some of your kids may have turned their back and they've moved away. And I don't just mean uh, ge geographically, but they have turned away. Uh, perhaps you've got a kid either at home or they're an adult or they live in another state or they may live in the bedroom upstairs, but they got a disconnected heart. And you're just sitting back going, what has happened? How do I respond to this deal? Because we poured our life into that girl or that boy and their heart is so hard. And I'm gonna tell you something, you're grieving. And I've got empathy for you. I've seen it in the counseling room, Barbara, and I have seen it in our helping of others. It's brutal when that happens because this is part of your flesh. I mean, this is part of your family. And many of you come to Father's Day and there's a lot of grief, but I want to encourage you, and I'm going to take you into Galatians here for a moment, because what the prodigal son's dad did is he remained patient. And it's hard to be patient. Look at Galatians 5, 22 on the screen. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, which I want to talk about, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The prodigal son's dad was patient. He stayed. He anticipated. I want to submit to you he believed that God would do a work in that boy's heart. But he knew that God had to do it vertically before he and his boy would do it horizontally. You see, whether it's a prodigal son or whether it's your child or whether it's maybe you, we all have to start vertically because God loves us. He pursues us. And the cross is the place that ultimately this work is always done. It's where Jesus meets us. He meets us when we are full of ourself or there's fear or there's angst or there's disconnects and we're being lured into something, taking us places we don't want to go. But Jesus forgives us for whatever that is. That's his grace. That's his love. That's why he came to this earth and lived and, and died and he carried our sins upon him. But he wants us to surrender and he wants us to bring that pain to him. Now, you may be a mom and a dad and you're sitting back saying, this is Father's Day. We're not celebrating much. Well, I want to tell you, it's hard sometimes. So what you need to do is stay in the boat. It's like you're, you're on a rapids on a river 
and you're getting tossed all over the, cake, the place and everyone's kind of bouncing around, I want to just submit to you, stay. Just stay in the boat. And here's why you stay. Because you're going to exercise belief and you're going to trust God. That kid may not be trustworthy if you're having pain or difficulty, but you can trust God and the work that God's doing and His timing. But if you don't stay in the boat and be willing to be willing, you're going to miss out when perhaps that child begins to turn and look over their shoulder and want to come back home, just like the prodigal son did with his father. So as dads, how do you do that? Well, you got to remain patient for the work to be done. And with every kid, whether it's a five-year-old kid or a 55-year-old kid, the work is different. Every stage is different. You might try something with a daughter and it works, and then you try it with a son and it doesn't work. Or you might try something with one of your sons and it worked when he was in fifth grade, but it doesn't work when he's 25. We change. So every person, every stage has got its uniqueness. And you know what a dad does is he zeroes in on that uniqueness and he understands the giftedness. He understands the bents. He understands the character. He understands the personality. And he understands that he is God's provision for that son or that daughter as a dad or as a grandpa to step into their life and meet them where they're at. We also want to factor in some of the uniqueness of difference, even in gender. Barb and I were just at an event with Shanti Feldan, she and her husband Jeff. Jeff's a Harvard lawyer trained. Shanti's a, an analyst, she's got a PhD in analysis. And they have done a study and they have looked at thousands and thousands and thousands of men and women. And they came up with some curious stuff and it's going to help you as dads as you seek to understand your kids, regardless of their age. Here's what they said. They said there is an undercurrent emotion for men and there's an undercurrent emotion for women, statistically. And you may be the 20% that flip-flops this, that's fine. But they said for women, the underlying emotion is, am I loved? And am I lovable? Am I worthy? And, and I want to submit to you, I've been married 47 years, I've got two adult daughters, regard, and I've got a bunch of granddaughters. Regardless of age, you know what? Women need to know that they are lovable, they are loved, they are worthy of love. And so when there's conflict or there's a disconnect, many times they'll wonder, am I going to be rejected? Am I going to lose relationship over this stuff? And so we need to always affirm that they are loved. With guys, it's something different. What Jeff and Shanti have come up with is it's the word adequacy. Most men and most boys don't sense that they're adequate. And they wonder if they're okay. There's a lot of men yeah, sitting in this service and you're sitting back and you're wondering if you're two or three bad decisions away from losing your career. Um, you may even exercise that imposter syndrome where you fake it until you make it. You, it because you maybe didn't grow up in a family where you sensed that 100% that unconditional uh, reception that you are adequate and you are okay for just who you are. And yet if we say to our son, you know what son, I'm proud of you. And, and I'm grateful for you, and you're doing a good job. And you know what, you're going through a tough time, but I believe in you. If you say to your daughter, you know what, sweetheart, I love you. Nothing will separate my love for you, just like God's love for you. And you're always worthy, and you're always lovable. In fact, Jeff and Shanti went so far as to say the two words that a boy or a man most need to hear, and this surprised Barb and I, but the two words are thank you. Just thank you. Why is that? Because we want to do the right thing. But if we're not saying thank you and we're not affirming and we're not letting men or boys know that they're adequate dads, they may be coming up short. So when we exercise that patience and we stay, we stay because we know that God's doing the work and he's got to do that work vertically before he can do it horizontally. But let me kick into the second 
takeaway here. The prodigal son's father also initiated. And I'm going to take you back to Luke 15, verse 20. And Jesus says, And he was filled with compassion for him. Now this is the dad, compassion for the boy. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And that father, that prodigal son's father, is just like our heavenly father. He modeled not only being patient, but believing in his child, even when that child didn't believe in himself. He ran to him. <laughs> he wrapped his arms around him. He kissed him. He drew him close to him. And that boy, with that heart that had been broken and came to his senses, as we read in verse 17, um, in, in Luke 15, we, we see where that, that, that boy is at the end of himself, and he has surrendered his will, and he has gone back, not just for food, but I believe he went back to a relationship with his dad. You know, I love that story. I love it for a lot of reasons. And one of them is, I was a prodigal. Uh, I just turned 70. Um, but I used to be 16. And it was this time of year, and the grass was real thick, and, and I was in a rock band, and I, was, I had a gig that night. My mom said, cut the grass. And you know, I said something stupid like, rock stars don't need to cut the grass. And you know, I wasn't a rock star, but I thought I was. And it was the 60s. And, and uh, my mom came home and she said, Gary, you need to cut it a second time. You let it go too long. It, it's thick. And I said, Mom, if you want to cut it a second time, you cut it. And she was incredulous. Now, that, that's a big word. I don't know what it means, but it, it's not good. And, and so she said, Gary, cut it. And I said, Mom, you cut it. And then she said, Gary Rossford, and she slapped me across the face. I mean, it was like that. And I reeled back, and that just never happened in my family. Now, some of you are listening going, it should have happened a lot earlier, I can tell. But... I said, Mom, don't ever, and she slapped me again. And, and this is an upper middle class family in Chicago, a big rose garden. I mean, it, this wasn't a home that had a lot of corporal punishment. And, and then she went to slap me a third time and I blocked her slap. But when I blocked John Rosberg's wife's slap, uh, I was officially in deep yogurt. Uh, she said, get up to your room. I said, cool, now I don't have to cut the grass. And I was so stinking hard hearted. A few minutes later, Jimmy, my little brother comes in and said a couple words I've never heard in the middle of the day. He said, Dad's home. And I remember going, Dad who? And he goes, our dad. I said, Dad's in the house? He goes, yes, and he wants you in the kitchen. And I said, how is he? He said, Gary, he's really quiet. So I go downstairs, he's got his back to me, he's drinking a cup of coffee, making a noise with his nose that drove me crazy. And he said 21 words that changed my life. He said, son, you can mess with anybody in the world, but the day you mess with your mother or your sister, you mess with me. He had a suit on, driving a sports car, business owner, board of directors of a big bank, and he took me out. And I don't mean to a Chicago Cubs game. Knocked down, drag out, fists flying, words flying, chairs flying, my mom's crying, Jimmy, my little brother's eyes are this big. We used to say it's like a Kmart blue light special, two for one. He never did anything wrong again. He's been in therapy for 20 years, but he's watching this whole thing. And then I twisted the knife and I said, dad, you can't do this to me. I'm running away. And he said in his wisdom, much like the prodigal son's dad, he said, I'll get your grip. In other words, he didn't try to stop me came up to my bedroom, threw the grip, and then he said, no one's ever gonna talk to my wife like that again. And I said, that's fine, I'm out of here. And he leaves, and, and I'm in my bedroom, I'm packing up my stuff. And for some reason, I went into the bathroom, um, and there was a metal Venetian blind, you remember those here, your grandma's house, and, and I put two fingers in between the blinds, and I looked out, and there was my dad, 
and he's standing looking over this half-cut lawn, and, and I, I just mocked him. My heart was so hard, I just said, you know, why don't you get your, your favorite son to cut the lawn, or why don't you do it? Or, and I'm just mocking my dad. And then he did something, you guys, I've never seen him do before, and I never saw him do it again. Put his hands up in front of him, put his face in his hands, and he began to weep. And this was in a Christian home, and it was the 60s. And, I mean, Jim Dobson, you know, the focus on the family guy, he was in high school or something. I mean, there was nobody to help people like us back then. And I remember I ran through that house. I remember taking three and four steps at a time, came flying around the corner, and my dad apparently sensed I was coming around the corner, and he turned and he ran to me. And he threw his arms around me. And I threw my arms around him. And it was like hugging a telephone pole. I mean, we just didn't do that. And he just held on to me. And uh, he said, Gary, he said, you need to leave our family. And I said, Dad, I know. And we sat down and we're dead silent because we didn't know what to do. And a few minutes goes by and he says, Gary, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you an option. I said, I don't know what that means, but what do you mean? He said, you can be grounded all summer, no band, no girls, no beach, no fun. Um, you can run away or Gary, we can forget the whole thing ever happened. And I said, what do you mean, forget the whole thing? He said, I'll never bring it up again as long as one of us uh, is alive to say it to the other. And I looked at him and I said, you know, Dad, um, I'll take the 30-day summer grounding. And I remember he looked at me and he said, son, you don't need to do that. And I said, no, Dad, I'm out of control. I'm out of control. And I took the summer off of life and I sat in my room most of the time. But little by little, the relationship with my dad began to rebuild. And for the rest of my dad's life, we would reflect upon that when his son came to his senses. And years later, I came to Christ. I prayed for him for 21 years. He came to Christ and died 16 months later. And I had the privilege to introduce my dad to the author of grace after he offered me grace. You see, my dad stayed. And my dad initiated. And my dad ran to me, just like the prodigal son. His dad ran to him. Just watch this music video, and I'll be back with you in a couple of minutes. Almighty God, the great I am, the movable rock, omnipotent, powerful, awesome Lord. warrior, commanding king of kings, mighty conqueror, and the only time, the only time I ever saw him run, was when he ran to me, he took me in his arms, held my head to his chest, Said my son's come home again Lifted my face Wiped the tears from my eyes With forgiveness in his voice He said, son, 
I love that song, When God Ran. And what I love about that is the father didn't stand back all cool and aloof. The prodigal son's father didn't stand back all cool and aloof. And I'm telling you something, my dad didn't stand back all cool and aloof, waiting for the excuse, 
micromanaging? Did I get all my lessons learned? You see, because it wasn't about that horizontal deal. Is that dad knew that God did a deep work in his boy, and the boy came home. He came to his senses. He ran to his boy in order to love him and, and to not only show him that he stayed and he was alert and he was waiting for him, but he initiated his love. He didn't say, do you know, you made a fool of me. And dad, sometimes we get full of frustration and stress. And, and I said the stupidest things to my kids. I mean, it's hard sometimes. But you know what, our heavenly father, what, what he doesn't do, he doesn't shame. Uh, what he does is he receives. What he does is he waits. He waits for the work to be done. And when that work is done through the power of the Holy Spirit and through his word, and when there's conviction happening in any of our hearts and we come home to him, that's when relationships horizontally begin to make sense. First Peter 4, 8 says, above all else, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Well, third, the prodigal son's dad blessed his son. I love it. He stayed, he initiated, but he blessed him. And then when he said in 22 through 24, and you'll see it on the screen, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate it. Can you feel that? I mean, I got goosebumps just thinking about that that he had waited for him and he came and the dad ran to him and, and you know what, he didn't need to know everything that happened because it was, it trumped that, you guys. It, it, that's what a relationship does and dads, we've got to be willing to exercise what that prodigal son's father did. And sometimes, you know what, the kid doesn't come running into our arms, sometimes he's crawling into our arms. You've got sons, you've got daughters, maybe you've been like me. Uh, or you, maybe you've been a daughter and you've broken everybody's heart. And you know what? We crawl back to the cross. And that's that broken and contrite spirit that we read about. And look at the screen in Psalm 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. I love that verse. You see, God blesses us in our surrender. You know, there'd be times where a dad would bring his kid into my counseling room and say, you know, I'm gonna drop my kid off and Gary, I'll be back in an hour and pick him up. And I'd say, you know what, Dad? Why don't you stay? Because sometimes I treat the dad till the kid gets better. And, and that wasn't meant to be harsh. But you know what? There's always the dynamic. And when you can get that family together and you can break down some of those walls. And so the question right now is where do you and I, on Father's Day, need to do a heart check? And what do we need to let go of? What do we need to release? Where do we need to bless? You, you may have your kids sitting with you in the pew. I've got some grandkids here today. I love that. But are you a dad who's gonna stay? Are you a dad who is going to initiate? And are you a dad who's gonna bless? And, and for some of us, you know what we need to do? We need to look in the rear view mirror and we need to release some unmet expectations. Because some of you have got pain. You've, I, I know it, I've spent 40 years dealing with people's pain. And it's very legitimate. But sometimes what we've done is we've set up an expectation and there's no way that that's gonna make sense until we release and we forgive and we let go. We don't wanna carry the burden. We wanna release the burden. Your dad likely did the best he could do with what he knew to do. And you know what, we as dads need to do the best that we can do with what we know to do. So let's step out of the Father's Day role 
and we can talk to moms, we can talk to singles, we can talk to kids, we can talk to old people like me. You know, every one of us just need to really do a heart check. Where do I need to surrender? Where do I need to let go? Where do I need to stay in a relationship and initiate and bless? And where do I need to remember that that work is always done vertically with Christ before we ever make sense of something horizontally with another person? So when I think about the horizontal, how do I want my kids to remember me? Not as a perfect dad, not as a perfect grandpa, but as one who stayed. As one who, even though it was hard sometimes, I was still teachable. I want to encourage guys to be teachable, remain teachable. Surround yourself with guys who love you, that aren't impressed with you. That would be every guy watching me right about now that's not impressed with me. But you know, we do cross trainers every week. We've done that since 1989. It's a great place to come and just be a guy. I want to be remembered as a guy that showed up. We're doing that with our grandkids now and our kids. Uh, a man who was generous and who was, who was willing to just listen and to connect and to be filled with compassion. An imperfect man, just like the prodigal son's dad. But you know what? Let there be stories for years to come. I heard a guy say one time, we're not going to know our great, 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 great grandkids, but they're going to know us. They're going to know our story. They're going to know what we left behind. So like me, imperfect as can be, let's just leave something behind that they can hang on to. And it's not too late. And so let's express what we need to express. I'd like to just pray with you. Uh, just man to man, father to father, grandpa to grandpa, <laughs> uh, valley church guy uh, to valley church woman or guy. Uh, I love this church and I'm so grateful to be here. And this is my home church. So let me pray. Father, this is Father's Day. We love you. We glorify you. We're so grateful for you. This is a great day for so many men and wives and moms and grandmas and kids and grandkids. A lot to celebrate. And they, they'll have a meal or they'll watch a game or they'll go fishing or they'll do some fun things that dad wants to do. And that is awesome. But for others, it's hard. And so we want to bless those precious men and women and boys and girls as well. We want you to know that uh, you are the perfect father. We are all very, very imperfect. And starting with me, I know. And yet we just want to do the best that we can do. So God, I pray a blessing on this Father's Day. Let us bring glory and honor to you. Let us be willing to be generous with other people. And God, please find us faithful in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Guard your hearts, and I'm glad we were together today.